0: Well, that is our prayer that the Lord is indeed our vision. And so as we get ready to speak about vision this morning, uh, I feel like a professor today. i have these handouts for you, but I figured I'd wait and hand them out. And so I'm going to hand out this and you can look at it. um, We'd like to fill this out before the end of the service today, but it'll make more sense as I share this morning. And so, as we're passing this out, uh, you can go ahead, if you have your Bibles, and you can turn to, here you go, take, well, this is one per person, so, we'll have. I have plenty more, so, um, as we do that, you can open to John 14, is where we're going to be some this morning, so, there we go. And as we're handing that out, I uh, was thinking about this week about some of the best presents I've gotten. I don't know if you've ever gotten different presents, and, and uh, sometimes in these gift bags or in presents you can miss things too. And it's kind of fun when you even give kids a present, you see them reach in and pull it out, and just are so excited uh, to see what's inside. Uh, I don't know what it would be that would be the best gift somebody could get you and maybe it's you've got a favorite music artist and you open up your gift and there's a cd you're like oh yeah i love it there's a gift card to get the download their newest album and you're pretty pumped about that and you get a t-shirt too and you're excited and they're like no 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 wait wait go there's more and so you go in there and you open it up and you see that there's also uh inside of it concert tickets you're like what I'm to go to their concert. You're excited and, and you get your friends and you're at the concert having a great time and they come up to you and say, there's more. You're going backstage. you get to go backstage and you're going to meet them. I don't know if you've ever gotten any gift like that where you just keep peeling back the layers and you're like, man, this is over the top. It's above and beyond. And your joy just keeps going from one level to the next. And what we put together a mission statement for our church. And, and the mission statement says that we glorify God by investing in every generation to make mature and multiply joyful followers of Christ. And uh, I say, Ezra just got his shirt on this morning, so does Sarah, and on, it says, discover joy on the back. That's a big claim, isn't it? <laughs> to discover joy, to help people discover joy. Um, Is that possible? And what does that even look like to discover joy? And if we look at this, I want us to understand and look back to see and to look ahead to see that there's more. And I want you to understand that there's more. There's more to what Jesus has for us. There's more uh, transformation, more hope, more perspective, which leads to more joy. And as we look at that this morning, I, I was thinking the story of God in the Bible and God's relationship with humankind is a story of there's more. He, he comes and he walks with them in the garden and then brokenness sets in and then he calls out Abraham and says, there's more, come with me, I'm calling a people to myself. He gives them kings, they build a temple and the, the Holy Spirit, he, he leads them out and Uh, his presence is there, and and then we see that Jesus arrives on the scene, the very Son of God, God, fully God, fully man, and he's walking there with the disciples. And he's with the disciples, and day in and day out, they're seeing his miracles, they're going to hear his teaching. It's an absolutely amazing time. And as they walk through that and experience that, Jesus comes to them and he turns to them in um, John chapter 14. and um, This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. And kind of setting the scene for John 14, Jesus had just washed the disciples feet and then he talks about one of them betraying him. And he had already said several times to them that he must die. And then At the end of uh, chapter 13, we see him say that um, Jesus answered Peter in verse 38 of chapter 13. He says, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. So in the midst of all this conversation, the disciples are very troubled. They can sense that Jesus has something weighing on his heart, I believe, and and so, in verse in chapter 14, he opens up with, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He goes on to tell them that he's preparing for them a place in heaven, in his father's house, there are many rooms. It's such a comforting passage that he will go there to prepare a place for us. And Doubting Thomas, as we call him, says, how do we get there? And Jesus says, you know the way to where I'm going. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one gets into heaven except through me. And so as he walks through here, we begin to see him teaching and speaking. And then he says this, starting in verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so we have this promise here, this gift that Jesus begins to announce and you open up the present and he's telling them, you're going to do greater things. He says, you're going to do greater things. And that's pretty interesting because how could you get anything greater than being with Jesus Christ on a day in and day out basis? What could be greater than that? What is he referring to here? Uh, it's pretty hard to get greater than raising someone from the dead. Jesus has done that, uh, walking on water. He just spoke and the entire storm ceased immediately. He turned water into wine. He healed lepers with that, from the uncurable disease. Uh, healed blind people. <laughs> what does it mean whenever he's saying greater things? You're going to do greater works. Well, I think um, there's two aspects to this. Uh, that we can see, and I think Acts, the beginning of the uh, first chapter of Acts begins to help us understand this. Uh, if you remember the great verse where he says, wait here and then until the Holy Spirit comes and he says, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I believe one aspect of greater things is the scope. that more and more people, the entire world is going to be covered with this gospel message that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose again so that we might have eternal life. So that message is going to go to a greater amount of people and be spread throughout the world. And that's part of the greater things. And yet within there, there's another piece of the greater things. There's more. Because Jesus is gone and leaving, he's saying more is going to happen But I'm not going to leave you alone for this. In verse 15, he says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And so we reach down and we understand there's another gift that God gives us. And Jesus is saying something greater is coming, and that greater then is the very work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit coming, and even in Acts it says, it is the Holy Spirit who comes and dwells in us. You see, our God is one God, three persons, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is active and at work, he leads the people by cloud out of Egypt. His holiness fills the most holy place, the tent of meeting and, and the temple inside there, the holy of holies. And so holy is his presence that if you don't follow God's word, if a priest went out of line or, or didn't follow it, they would be consumed immediately and drop dead. So great and mighty is the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus is conceived by the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, he's raised it up and the Holy Spirit de- descends upon him and he becomes our greatest example of living and walking by the Holy Spirit and through the power of the Spirit in his own ministry. The Gospel of Luke highlights that so well. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit is first opened when we come to trust in Jesus Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that works to reveal to us that we need salvation. At that moment, the Holy Spirit comes in, we are adopted, we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are sealed, we are a part of God's family. Going from God leading His people to meeting with them to walking amongst them to now the very person of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. That's something greater. You see, this gift, I believe, is a gift that we often leave on the sidelines and we miss out on. Uh, we leave it in the package, so to speak. Um, as I began to prepare for launching Incline Church, you know, you, you say, well, what's going to be unique? Why, why are we doing this? What problem are we trying to solve? Well, yeah, we know we need to make more disciples, and yet, if I look back through the scope of my life and ministry, there's been two questions, two things I've seen two issues I've seen that God put on my heart. Uh, And whether it was in prison ministry, going overseas, uh, as a lay person, um, serving in a church, and then as a pastor. The the first question I've asked is, uh, believers, and and I I say, hey, when you came to know Jesus... Can you point to a person or someone who came alongside you and helped you take those next steps and get your foundation and get grounded? Anybody show you, like, how do you actually read the Bible? (laughs) What does it look like to pray? Uh, And did you have anybody you could ask these questions? of? What is the Trinity? How does that work? Uh, And and about 50% or less would say, they had, and the others would say, no, no, I never had that. I, I went to a, they said, go to a small group, or I, I got books and tried to figure it out on my own, or I just attended church. And so we had a gap there. I'm like, man, we're not helping people get grounded in the word and understand what it means to follow Christ. Because then my next question was, have you ever been used by God or, or shared your faith with somebody and seen somebody come to know Jesus? Have you ever come alongside, beside someone and helped them grow in their next steps of faith? And the even larger number continually says, no, I've never experienced that. One of the greatest joys we can have as believers is sharing our faith. And then as the Holy Spirit works, participating and seeing someone come to know Jesus. And yet the majority of Christians, especially in the United States, miss out on what that greatest blessing there is. Greater things, and yet we leave them on the side. I wonder how you would answer those two questions this morning. Has someone invested in you? Have you invested in others? And as we'll see, it looks different for each of us in different seasons, but there's this great joy that we can miss out on. But you see, there's more. There's more in the package, there's more available to you, there's more impact. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper because there's so much more to be done and so much more that you can experience than even when you walked with me. And so, even as we began to read here in verse 15, we read that the, the Holy Spirit, um, he begins to describe him and he says that uh, I will give you another helper. And then he says, even the spirit of truth will come upon you and uh, he will be your advocate Uh, he will be your intercessor or some things that we begin to understand about the work of the holy spirit in verse 26 it says the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance things that i have said and so we begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, in seminary, I wrote many papers. And you've got to write about many different things. And one of the papers I wrote was on the role of the Holy Spirit in uh, the book of Luke and Acts. And as I began to write about it, I said that, I said that it, it helped us to understand Scripture and convicted us of our sins and it uh, opened up and revealed uh, truth to us and our gifts to us and i got a big huge red mark all over my paper anybody know why anybody pick up why jerome that's right i use the term it Not even thinking and just getting through the paper and I wrote it and they're like three persons. He. I think huh, that was a huge lesson for me. I'm like, you're right. And I began to realize that, you know what? It's kind of a view I take that we have God the Father, tangible. Jesus Christ the Son, tangible. The Holy Spirit, confusing. (laughs) And that personal connection, the relationship we're to have with the Holy Spirit, I began to understand and want to know what, is, what more, what is more? How does he work in my life and in your life? And, and, and as I began to look, you see there's more and more descriptions of who he is and the role that he has uh, within our hearts and within our lives. And so we begin to look at these words and begin to understand uh, this, all of these descriptions of the Holy Spirit. And so he's a helper, an advocate, and an intercessor. We know that from different passages. But um, our world today, we have somebody, we're so individualistic, and yet we look for people to come alongside us, to help us, to advocate. We want somebody who's for us no matter what. We want somebody to intercede on our behalf who's thinking about us, praying for us, or or giving us great tips and advice. We call him a life coach. And yet God says, I've given you a helper, and you can tap in to that. And he's one that advocates for you and prays. Even when we don't know what to pray, he intercedes um, on our behalf, it says in Romans. But then he's also the revealer of truth and the convictor of hearts, when you feel that weight of sin, the Holy Spirit, what, what, what's the first word there? Holy. As the Holy Spirit works in us, we begin to understand where we fall short of the glory of God. And not only does that lead us to a point of repentance, but it's, it's that peeling away and just working on our character, dealing with habitual sins. As he reveals and we respond, we become more like Christ. That's what we call Transformation. And yet yet he is also the revealer of truth. It's the amazing that once you come to know Jesus Christ and you open up the Bible, have you ever felt that how fresh it is? And how God speaks through it. And as we understand the correct meaning, the application of it to our hearts and how it meets us right where we're at. I loved even back in seminary, you go before those guys and they say, Okay, I want you to take this paragraph. And write 10 things you see in it about the Lord. And you're like, okay, you work hard. And then they go, find 10 more. Find 10 more. It's amazing. You can just keep going to the scriptures and, and come to a passage you've seen 100 different times. And God shows you a, a fresh new way that it applies to your life. And a, a new understanding of maybe a word or the where it's placed in the context. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. In our lives. And that's what it says here in uh, chapter 15. Jesus returns and does some speaking on the Holy Spirit. And he says in verse 26 of chapter 15. When the helper comes who I will send you from the Father. The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And so, if you're ever confused if the Holy Spirit's involved, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit is to point us to Jesus Christ. So it's not a person who gets the glory, not even the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want the glory. He wants to magnify Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names, that every knee should bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so he begins to work in our lives and, and to convict our hearts. And in uh, chapter 16 of John, it says this, um, starting in verse 6. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. I'm uh, talking about him leaving. Nevertheless, I tell you this truth. It is to your, to, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him. There's more, he's saying. There's more. You've got to trust me. There's more than me being with you. We've got a plan. God's in control. In verse 8, when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me concerning righteousness. Because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truths, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare it with you, the things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I say that he will take what is mine, and declare it to you. You see, as we walk and go throughout the scriptures, we begin to see that the Holy Spirit works. And as he works in us, not only does he reveal things, but in Romans 6, that passage we use with our baptisms, uh, he gives us the power to overcome sin. Uh, We can't overcome sin without the Holy Spirit. He's the one that begins to transform us and to shape us into more and more of who we are called to be. You see, the Bible is described as living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. And it's living and active because when we interact with the Holy Spirit, we obey and we follow what the Word of God says. It begins to penetrate into our lives deeply piercing through and seeing to the very core of who we are and what we struggle with. You see, the world will tell us a lot of stuff about who we're supposed to be, what you're supposed to strive for, um, and, and really what your worth and your value is. And yet it is the Holy Spirit's work as we get into God's Word that begins to show us what our true uh, identity is. Whenever we go through our uh, base camp training, we we take you in and we say, here's what it can look like for you to be a disciple. And you begin to look at your own life and and gifts and look at what this looks like for your life. Because one of our visions is to uh, equip and unleash disciple makers. But if we're going to do that, we have to be intentional. And so in looking at that, as we look at this, one of the things we have in there is this list of I am statements straight out of the scriptures. And these I am statements declare who you are when you come to know Christ. I am loved. And list all the verses that tell you you're loved by God. I am valuable. I am a key part of the body of Christ. I am worthy. I am adopted. <laughs> We have about 25 of those listed so that you can understand your identity comes from God, not from the world. You want to know your true self? (laughs) Open the Bible. Discover how God views you. It'll change your perspective not only on yourself but on the world and the value of human life, the value of other people, the value of people of all races and walks of life. And it'll help you not only to love God, but to love your neighbor. You see, in the midst of these passages, in the Gospel of John, uh, uh, Jesus here uh, in chapter 15 talked about one important thing. He says, listen, if you abide in me and I abide in you, as a branch uh, cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him It is he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. He goes on to say, I know how you love me. If you love me, you follow what my Father has said. His love for God the Father was shown in his obedience, even going to the cross out of obedience to the will of God the Father. And he says if you follow and and you take what the Holy Spirit reveals and convicts you of and then you take these small steps of obedience then he reveals more truth to you and you begin to have that change. But it all starts with obedience. But there's more. Jesus is saying there is more. And there is a ton more because he says that you are going to bear much fruit. You're going to be a fruit bearer. And I think that has a couple different aspects to it. Uh, The fruit that multiplies, I believe one of them, is that you will be a disciple maker. His design is for you to invest in other people who then invest in other people who then invest in other people. And that's why we're here today. Because someone took the word of God seriously and shared it with you and helped you to grow. And so as we walk through this and we begin to, go through this adventure we begin to see that God has more for you that you can multiply and grow in your fruit that you produce if you have your Bibles you can turn over and it's always fun to just read in the book of Galatians how this works out and so you can turn over with me and we'll we'll be in um, the book of Galatians chapter 5 and it's the first of those letters that ends in the I-A-N-S. So if you see Ephesians or Colossians, you've gone too far. But in chapter 5, we, we see that we read of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It begins in verse 16, and he says, I, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. He's saying this isn't all of these things, these greater things aren't going to be easy. We have this nature inside of us, this sinful nature that's going to pull us towards things of the world and make us distracted and these desires in us that if not fulfilled within God's plan can lead us astray. And as he says this, he lists off many of those, and then uh, he says this in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and desires, if we live by the Spirit, let us walk by the spirit. To walk by the spirit is to see God produce these things in you, and to see these things grow in you, to multiply fruit. And I always say, "Follow the fruit," is the phrase I' say. You want to know if someone's growing in Christ over time? You look and you see fruit. Do you follow the fruit? You want to know if somebody's teachings are of the Lord and you cannot quite sure, sit back and see what kind of fruit there is in their own personal lives and in the ministry. Over time, God reveals where there's fruit and where there is not fruit. But you see, these look at all these greater things that we have. All of these things are a gift from Jesus because he was going away. Do you believe there's more? There's more for you in your life and in your walk with the Lord. You see, there, there's another layer, uh, another layer that, that he begins to add in. And then this other layer here, down even in the the gift that I think we often leave on the side, is this whole idea, and don't worry, the sermon will go on till noon today if we went into all of these, but... 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 tells us that we're all part of the body of Christ. We become part of this family. And, and this amazing thing is that the Holy Spirit looks at you and how God uniquely shaped you and he gifts you with gifts. They call them spiritual gifts, uh, teaching, encouragement. Some of them are upfront gifts, some are behind the scenes. Some happen on a Sunday, most of them happen all the time throughout the week it's not just about signing up to serve in a ministry it's about being with one another but the amazing thing is these gifts unlike what the world tells you it's not all about you these gifts are specifically so that you can build up someone else in this body and in the body of christ you've been gifted so that you can help someone else tap into all of these greater things isn't that amazing and as you grow both in age and maturity but also spiritually you might discover new gifts that come in. Some people naturally come in and have this gift of serving with joy and doing it and it's just so joyful for them and and we have people right now who have this gift to be in there with the little kiddos and loving on them and showing Christ to them because kids are precious in the sight of the Lord. People with gifts of music you have people who have these gifts that naturally come out and you know you just talk to them and you walk away and you just feel encouraged others have the gift of prayer and they're just burdened to pray for people and they see a list and they you would never know it you would never know that they're on their knees for you interceding on your behalf And the Spirit is answering those prayers because that saint went and prayed for you in the quiet place before the Lord. And I look at this, and we're going to talk more about this in the coming months as we move towards more and more of what it looks like to be a body of Christ. And yet, uh, I look at these spiritual gifts, and it tells me as I read the Scriptures that it's vital. It's vital that we use these gifts. So this trend we have of, of people coming in uh, saying, you know, I, I watch church, um, I, I go to church at home or online. I say, that's great, that's a good supplement, but you need to be with the body of Christ because you know what, it's not easy to always interact and to work together, but really it's hard to use your gifts with a TV screen it's hard to use your gifts if you're just sliding in and out from an audience where are you using your gifts how has god called you to use your gifts you see i hope we're beginning to see what jesus is talking about when he says there's more Uh, the kids and i watched a show about a chef and it had some marvel people on it the other night and he's saying how uh, chefs have this unique culture of their own and And he says, when we take a guest to another chef's restaurant, they want to crush us. And the the guy who plays Spider-Man, he's like, what do you mean by crush? Because he's from Britain. He's like, i never heard this. And he's like, well, part of it's just wanting to show you everything they've got and, and kind of show off their skills. But the other is just wanting to care for you so much that you can't take it anymore. And so they brought out this tray with seafood shellfish and oysters and lobster and that was the appetizer and then they brought in these um, uh, different kind of uh, lobster rolls and shrimp and then these unique hamburgers made with this special like high-priced beef and they just kept bringing out one layer of food after another and putting it on the table and then finally they're like do is there more and he's like yeah there's more he's like is this first dessert or do i need to plan ahead And uh, the guy was explaining, and you want to eat it because when you eat of it and you take of it, it it makes them feel so good in the back. If you don't eat it and you just kind of leave it on the table, it's really insulting and kind of hurtful. And, uh, And then he said to the chef who was bringing out the food, he's like, I think we've been crushed. But I bet you have more. And he said, yeah, I can keep pulling out more for you if you need it. I thought of that in, a, in light of preaching this, and I thought, you know, how often do we find people who are sitting at the banquet table of the Lord and just turning away and picking up scraps off the floor and not eating all that God has given us, the bounty he wants us to have in this life with him? How often do we sit on the sidelines and have gifts that we're not using because we get distracted or we're too busy during the week how often do we not even consider the Holy Spirit and the role of our growth? How often do, do, does the Holy Spirit convict us of things and we, we hear it and then we just get so busy and move on we never really address and leave out of here with a takeaway or one way we're going to respond and obey and change or try, strive to grow. But then I think, you know, our Heavenly Father, it says in James, is the giver of good and perfect gifts. And he wants to give us so much more than we often tap into. So much more. He wants so much more for us. And yet, I think one of the challenges we must ask ourselves this morning is, are we missing out? Are we missing out on something? Are we missing out on what the Lord has for us? Do you realize how important you are to the work of the kingdom of God and how valuable you are? And what a privilege it is to be an ambassador for Christ. Do you see yourself as vital? Vital here at Incline, but vital for the big picture of the kingdom that God wants to use you and can use you in ways beyond and above what you could ask or imagine. And maybe today's the day where you just need to stop and look back and say, wow, wow, Look how far God has taken me. Look at all the great things he has given me. Because a lot of times, a lot of this happens in what? Small steps. And it's not till you look back and you go like, wow, he really did change that part of my character. Or, or you can look together with each other in family or friends you've known a long time and be like, wow, God has really worked in your life. I can see it. And you want to stop and celebrate it and savor just, wow, thank you, Lord, for being at work. Because it's not all instant gratification. Sometimes it's hard work to get this to come—the fruit and the change in our lives. So, in a moment, I, I want you to think about these sheets that you have, and and uh, the idea isn't to put you into some false commitment or just to get you filled it out. But really, it's about us being accountable. If we say our core value is equipping and unleashing disciple makers. We need to know if we're doing our job, <laughs> if we are equipping you, if we are actually helping you take your next step. For some of you, it might be that base camp training. And for some, it may be, okay, I went through that, I did these things, now I'm in a different season. For others, it may be getting grounded in the faith or getting connected or, or trying to talk with one of our elders or a leader or another woman and say, what are my gifts? What do you see in me? That it might be from the Holy Spirit that I'm not using or that I need to learn how to use to bless others. And so really it's just about being honest with where you're at today and helping us so we can adjust and look at, okay, we're two and a half years into incline. Let's not just say we're doing fine because people are showing up. It's not about filling seats. It's about making disciples. It's about reaching people. It's about helping you grow. We want to make sure we're doing that, and this gives us a little touch point for that. We want to serve you well. We don't want to go through the motion and just promote different kinds of programs. You know, because I've been reflecting this fall, and, and as I shared earlier, I'm blown away. And this week was just such a gift from the Lord to see so many of you using your gifts. And, and serving and loving one another and behind the scenes visiting one another, encouraging one another. And, and I look around and I see going from a small group in our living room to this and to people who are spread out and to one of our core team members planning a church and, and preaching up in Black Forest even this morning with Pastor Bob. And I'm blown away by what God's done. But I don't want to be satisfied with that. I want him to crush us. I want us to, Lord, if you got more for us, bring it. More people to come to the Lord. We want to celebrate with you. More baptisms. We want to be a part of it so that your name is glorified and not our own. Do you want more this morning? Do you want more in your own life, in your marriage, in your home, in your walk with the Lord? Are you seeking for more from the Lord? I mean, I'm blown away. We went from 0% self-funded to 70% self-funded, and we increased my to being full-time a year ago. God has been so faithful through your generosity. Maybe this morning the Holy Spirit's urging you to be more generous or to get and be a part of that. But we need to be and do it together in community, using each other's gifts. But you see, the the truth is, there's going to be times, and you might be in a time where it feels like there's no more to give. You're tapped out, your prayers aren't being heard. You've been praying for a long time. Maybe you've shared, you've invited people to incline, you've shared your faith, and you just don't see any response. Maybe you're just wondering, Lord, I'm out of resources. I don't know what to do, what my next step is. And that's when we need to have community. That's why it's put us together. We need to cling to the Word of God, but we need others to come and say, hey, let me hold you up during this time. Let's trust the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of this year, and now I think we have copies in the back, we put out bold prayers for 2019. That was our goal. And uh, the first one of our bold prayers based on Ephesians, which says, Now to him who is able to do more, abundantly more than we can ask, think, or imagine, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory and majesty throughout, in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. And based on that, statement in Ephesians, we said, we desire to continue to love our community and host school through serving and outreach. We started to pray that prayer. Two months later, God brought a grant so that we could do a marriage conference and four more parties in the park to connect with people. God heard our prayers, and he answered. And then you guys showed up and used your gifts and talked with people. We, we've been praying for seven to ten new families that will commit to incline, and many of you are our answer to that ongoing prayer. We have people who are visiting and coming in and out, and we just keep trusting the Lord for that, not to fill seats, but so that we can have something that will sustain over time and have a lasting impact in this community beyond just this generation right here. And we know that there's some things that have to happen. We prayed that God will equip and unleash 20 more people through base camp and that we would see more people baptized. And, and we've seen people go through base camp and we've also had uh, five baptisms this year. And even in this past week, we've had, I've had the opportunity of talking with different people and hearing of people coming to Christ through the ministries of Incline Church. God is at work. It is amazing to see how God is answering these prayers, and we're going to keep calling upon God to answer these prayers. And Caleb, if you want to put up that verse, um, I want to drive us to where do we start as a church with this? Well, in the Old Testament, this is where they started, and this is where we see people of God come to. When we come to a point of being desperate for God and wanting more from God, it says this in Second Chronicles, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. See this in the book of James. He says the reason that you, you, you do not receive is because you ask with wrong motives. Jesus says, Ask in my Father's name and it will be given to you. That's a promise. And James comes and and buckles up next to that teaching and says, you need to ask. And if you ask in line with the Lord's will that you want disciples to be made, that you want these things to happen, then I believe God's going to answer that prayer. And it may be a look differently than how I pray it, but he hears and he responds to our prayers. We know that a humble heart the Lord sees. And so I'm calling on us to pray and seek his face to look inside if we got sin to deal with it uh, support one another in that because I believe if we commit and to prayer that's one thing I looked at after two and a half years we can't let our fervency in prayer slip and so on your sheets there earlier there's a uh, I calling it the 714 prayer initiative this morning and I even put up the next slide Caleb and so um, right here this is my phone you can do this. Pull out your phone this morning. I give you full permission. But I'd love for you to set at 7.14 a.m. and p.m. You can either do it via a reminder or an alarm. And there, some other phones may have some different ways. Or if you're more of a paper person, pull out your pen and get out post-it notes. And wherever you're going to be at that time, maybe in your car or in your bathroom mirror, remind yourself to pray for incline. And uh, you, you might be somebody who does it. Uh, okay, I'm going to, right, I want to start with Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or every Tuesday at 7.14 a.m. and 7.14 p.m. I want to be reminded, and you can set those up. And whenever you see that come up there in your little notes, it can tell you, stop, praise God for something real quickly that's happened in your day. Thank him for who he is. Is there something that's happened And you need to confess it. Do it right there. Don't wait. And then lift up incline, however the Holy Spirit leads you. Something, someone, uh, one of these bold prayer requests. Just take a moment and pray. Pretty simple. Really one to two minutes to stop and to think and to pray and build that into our habits and see what God's going to do. Next Sunday and the following Sunday, I'll be... uh, either in the teacher's lounge or in the uh, cafeteria, and we'll spend about 20 minutes just praying before the service, and anyone's welcome to come and join us. And I relisted some of those prayers down there as well. And so as we look at that, and we look at all of these things, there's one gift that's left in the bag. One thing that I want to bring it home with this morning. It's uh, at the end of chapter 16. Uh, Jesus is talking to them, and, and uh, he's beginning to prepare them once again for his leaving. And uh, in verse 29 his disciples said, "Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not just figures of speech. Now we know that all thi- now we know all things, and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God." And uh, Jesus said... Uh, behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things, that, you, that in me you may have peace. In the world where you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world." He has overcome the world, and even backing up here in verse 16 of chapter 16, he says, for a little while, I will be with you for a little while, and then you will see me no longer. Some disciples said to one another, what is it that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me again? A little while, and you will see me? Because I am going to the Father? And they were trying to figure out what this means. And then Jesus says in verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, You will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. You can ask Matt about this. Uh, Their granddaughter was born this week to... Josh and Alex, who attended here, and they're out in Minneapolis, so I hope she had, doesn't remember the anguish, she's in the joy state. Um, baby came quick, I hear, so that's good. And uh, those of you who've been through that know it's just this joy of a new life being born, and that's the journey with Christ, isn't it? There's going to be time of anguish and sorrow where the world's rejoicing over things that break our heart. Jesus promises us Peace. And he promises us joy. Notice how joy is connected with sorrow. He says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. That's important. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And so... As we look at this, joy is where we started, to discover joy. But Jesus comes to us, and he wants our joy to be full. And ironically, whenever I uh, hit my printer, it was set for the bulletin, so I thought, it just kept printing joy, 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 over and over. I'm like, oh, the ink! (laughs) So, here, I'm just going to give these out today, so you all can spread joy. So, yes, the illustrations that happen, you don't plan. So, as we look at this, you know what? Following Christ is like this empty frame. (laughs) Today, we've talked about the framework for joy. The Holy Spirit's work in your life, responding in obedience, using your gifts can be a side of the frame, participating in community, getting in God's Word, And really, we believe that God will fill in what this looks like in your life to be a disciple maker at this season in time. We know that I I would love to just be able to fill in the frame and tell you what's inside of here for incline. But I don't know what God has in store. And I become more and more comfortable with that, that there's joy in trusting that even the ugly stuff that's on there, the smudge, can be made beautiful by the Lord over time. And when that picture comes to full fruition, you can trust that God is going to give you joy in the midst of it. You can trust that he's in control. And so I'd encourage you, even this morning, to walk through, uh, to read, and to think through what God may have for you. And even if it's just, I'm working on it, pray for me, that's fine, fill that out. (laughs) And we'll pray for you. It's not about judging, it's about coming alongside one another. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that there is more. There is so much more in you than we could ask, think, or imagine. After all, you are God. You are holy and perfect. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus was not underplaying anything. He said, unless I go, then the helper won't come, and you want the helper. You want the very presence of God in you, not in the temple, not in a cloud, but in you working to transform you from the inside out. Lord, forgive us that we would leave that gift on the bench. We look at the Holy Spirit often and we can go way to way extremes on either end and yet we realize that he is there to help us, to grow us, to reveal the scriptures and he has given us gifts, Lord, to use to bless one another. And when we share the gospel, even yesterday as we shared those seeds of truth across the park in music and in conversations, there were people that needed to hear you. Even conversations that I was able to have of those who are far from you, but for the first glimpse caught a little picture of what it looks like to love as Christ loved. And they felt loved. May that seed grow and be used by you. May you use incline uh, in ways that we don't even expect, Lord, because we want more. We desire more. And may we actually go from here and pray and put these things into practice and just start and humble ourselves before you today, Lord. We're not worthy, we're not creative or, or, or better at this than anyone else. We just want to be a church that's used by you for more of your kingdom work. We want to be a people that see our homes grow into more of following you and see these kids grow into more of understanding who you are, deeper and rooted in you, to see our youth group bloom and blossom with more of who you are and more of what they are in you to get their identity from your Holy Spirit, confirming in them, even when the world laughs, may they have peace and confidence looking in the mirror saying, I'm a child of God, I don't need to believe that. And when it hurts, Lord, and when life is tough, we know that your spirit, he intercedes for us with groanings that words don't even fill because he knows the inner needs better than what we can even pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to fill those out. We're going to collect them after this song. Um, And then join in in singing as we walk through this final song. So stand if you're ready or keep filling out your sheets this morning.